Well, here's a great way to increase your average calories, get better workouts, get better sleep, and then get back to it. What's up guys? So today I'm going to talk about refeeds and the process when you're dieting, how refeeds might affect that and how it affects one's sleep and hunger. I have an upcoming podcast with Menno Henselmans. It's been a while that I've been doing this podcast. It's kind of surprising I haven't got him on, uh, but we finally connected. And so we're going to delve into that and some other topics. But I wanted to put out my views here first, get your input on it, and then go from there. And maybe you guys have some discussion points that you want me to bring up with Menno. So if you followed along at all with my podcast with Abel Jabai or Steve Hall from Revive Stronger, uh, you might have seen us talk about refeeds and if we use them. And one of the things I said is I was very surprised to find that neither Abel or Steve use them, which to me kind of blew my mind at first because I have been using refeeds since I started dieting at 12 years old. I was always told that they were helpful for metabolism and for maintaining lean body mass. And I thought, you know, everybody did this. You know, it was an old school way, maybe way back before people knew what they were doing to use refeeds. And of course, now everybody uses refeeds. Uh, I knew 3DMJ used refeeds. I knew Lyle McDonald certainly incorporated refeeds into his keto diet, into his UD2 diet that was notorious for having big refeeds and actually spreading out up over a couple of days. There was uh, the anabolic diet, which had the weekends having pretty big refeeds, cyclical ketogenic diets, um, even timed ketogenic diets have something like there's somewhat of a refeed, like on workout days. Um, basically, everybody I knew or followed incorporated refeed. So first, I want to hear down below when you guys diet to lean levels. I'm not talking about 25% down to 18%. When you get to single digit body fats or when you are dieting for a long time, do you incorporate refeeds? Because again, I thought it was almost universal. Now, I will say at some point, I took that too far. Uh, you know, I had a coach and it really wasn't, I don't want to put the blame just on him, but he was the one who told me to do it. And he had me do these cheat days. And I've mentioned them before. My largest cheat day to date over 24 hours was about 18,000 calories. But a very normal cheat day for me was 10 to 12,000 calories. And this guy was really promoting on his forum to eat as much as possible. Uh, you know, it was actually very clear to me that this guy didn't know that much about what he was doing. He was a successful powerlifter, but from a dietary standpoint, he, he really didn't know much about nutrition. Uh, and not only that, but just how this could affect somebody mentally to get into that habit of binging once a week. I mean, when I was bulking up even, it would be something I would think about days in advance, but especially when dieting, very unhelpful. Um, you know, I thought that it was not a good idea. It's not something I recommend because once you do that, not only is it going to really affect you psychologically, but you're going to have to eat so much less on your regular days, your regular dieting days, the other six days a week or however you're setting it up, that it's going to be miserable. And that's what happened. You know, I was doing 13, 1400 calories during the week so I could eat 8,000 on the Saturday. And it's just, it's not something I would recommend. You will find that you can have a higher weekly average calories. That's the, if there's any benefit to it, you can probably average out higher calories. But part of that is just because you can't really absorb all 10,000 calories in one day. It's, it's still not a good thing or something that I would recommend you do. However, again, if you saw my talk with Abel, one of the points that I bring up with refeeds is that I, it depends on the person, right? It really depends on the person and how they like to diet. I personally like to know that there are still gonna be some days where I can eat to the point that I'm totally full on enjoyable foods, but I've had that go too far in one direction. Somebody like Abel might think, I don't wanna get off track. Once I do that, I kinda of go off the rails and it's harder to get back on track. 
I will say that, of course, that's going to be individual. But one of the things that I noticed Menno bring up in the past was that he would say that refeeds would, as Abel has maybe experienced himself, decrease adherence, that people are having a hard time going back to the diet. But there are a number of studies now that do show that there is higher rates of compliance when you incorporate diet breaks or refeed variations. So to me, it's, it's, I understand mechanistically why you might think that somebody's going to have a hard time coming back to a diet once they go off track. But what we do seem to find in the literature, again, on average, I'm sure somebody could find a study showing the opposite, is that people have higher compliance when they know that there's a break in sight, when they can take a break. And that's one of the things that I've favored more in recent years. I, in the last maybe two years, the last two times I dieted down, instead of having one big day, I started to incorporate more of diet breaks. And that could be on a weekly basis. So I have four or five days that are you know, a more significant calorie deficit. And then two days, not a huge refeed, not 8,000 calories, but maybe 3,500 calories for two days. Or I've done that on a, and actually this past cut was my most successful cut, and I actually incorporated a week or two diet break. I had no rush at all. Obviously, if you're doing a competition, you might have to tailor this to your own needs, but I had no rush at all, and so I would die aggressively for three weeks, and then I would take a diet break for one up to three weeks, and it was enjoyable. It wasn't crazy, maybe 2,800 to 3,000 calories, but at that point, being dieted down, it was very enjoyable to just be able to eat a normal amount of normal foods. It wasn't anything crazy, and because of that, then when it was time to diet, I felt ready to go. But I do think that adherence, you know, we talk about what works physiologically. And that to me is an important question. Like when I see a study, I want to know, no, I don't care if you had a 50% dropout rate. I want to know if people stuck to it, what was better physiologically? Because as somebody who knows they're going to stick to it, I want to know what's best. But when we're looking at this from a general population standpoint, we do have to factor in adherence and how much and how long somebody can stay on a diet as well as how well they're going to be able to maintain it afterwards. Now, when I have marijuana, we can actually talk face to face. I, you know, I obviously want to save points for that because I want to make sure that he is here to give a rebuttal to whatever my points are. But I noticed that he would say, or I believe his current stance is still that for a contest prep, you might want to take periods of refeeds or diet breaks. And I'm not really sure I understand why you would say that somebody can do that during a, a really harsh diet to get extremely lean, but that it's of no benefit when dieting, let's say, to beach lean. I mean, I'm not saying you need to do it to get beach lean at all. But to me, again, because I've always incorporated them, I would be less strict about maybe saying a client should incorporate them. And frankly, you know, depending on the client I'm working with, we might not include refeeds at all. You know, some love to have their refeeds. But to me, if you're acknowledging that they're going to be beneficial dieting to say four or 5% body fat, then what is it? What is the rationale behind saying that there's just no benefit? Like, where is that point where it just becomes beneficial. And this isn't really just a point for Menno. This is anybody who doesn't refeed, of course. And again, it's, it's my own monologue here. At some point, we will have maybe further debates if you guys want to see that. Uh, but to me, I just don't see why there would be some arbitrary point where now all of a sudden it becomes beneficial. I do think maybe on the whole, you know, somebody dieting from, you know, I don't know, 40% body fat to 30% might not get a lot of physiological benefits from the refeed, but psychologically to say, hey, you're trying to get down to 12% body fat, that could take over a year to do that. And if, even if for no other reason but psychological, I think diet breaks in that case can be very helpful. Now, I have a physician friend who really believes in his refeeds. Um, he does three low days followed by a high day, and he pretty much just does that all the time to stay about, 
I would say nine to 10% year round, good physique, you know, and he does this while obviously working a lot and not getting like a ton of sleep and it works well for him. But one point about him is that he is very lean. Now, I haven't gone through every single refeed study there is. Most of these studies are in the general population. I would just wonder, okay, if somebody has never really worked out, in most cases, we're not really worried about, for instance, muscle loss in somebody who is untrained. Um, if the person's not even training, I, I feel like these lose a lot of validity as well. These studies don't apply. Now, I hate to be that person to say, well, this isn't in bodybuilders and it's, it's not in like really advanced individuals. Of course, we can't have all of the studies on that. But I do think that where refeeds shine are when somebody is more experienced, more likely to lose muscle, uh, more likely to be drained during workouts and getting leaner. And perhaps that is what, what Meadow was referring to. Again, I'm looking forward to talking to him and, and seeing what he says. I very rarely tell a client who's maybe 20 plus percent that you know we really need to incorporate these refeeds. I do feel that when you are getting leaner and leaner, it seems to, now again, I'm biased, but it seems to provide a benefit. Now, I will actually say, some people say they feel so much better when they incorporate those carbs or the refeeds. That's really not the case for me. That particular day, I might feel more tired. I might not necessarily want to work out that day. But on the whole, like the next day, I will finally get a good night of sleep. That's one of the best things about it is that I can finally get a good night of sleep when I've been really hungry and dieted down. Uh, in those situations, I find sleep is one of the first things to go when I diet. And so to have that ability to be able to just, okay, 3,500 calories, nothing crazy, maybe 4,000, have some you know good carb sources and then just crash and get a nice night of sleep, that really helps kind of recharge me physically and mentally to then go into a more aggressive dieting. Now you could make the argument, well, if you didn't have refeeds, you wouldn't have to diet as aggressively on the other days, but we're not talking crazy amounts here. I'm saying the difference of maybe 1,800 to 2,000 for six days and then one day maybe 4,000 compared to you know whatever that would average out if you didn't have the refeeds. For me, all of those days, at, let's, let's say all seven days being low, I'm still gonna be hungry, hungry, hungry. It's, <laughs> uh, it's still gonna lead me to having generally poor sleep and I like to have maybe once or twice a week where I can eat more and really feel satisfied and finally get good sleep. Now that does bring me into another topic on sleep, but maybe I'll make that a separate video because I don't want this to go too long. But one other thing and probably a final point I would make, I think most people now are understanding that we don't have a certain maintenance. You know, I had a client recently say, well, I was maintaining on this before and now we brought down calories. Wouldn't I have to be in a deficit? And the answer is no. We have a sort of maintenance range, some people call it a buffer zone, where you could maintain. For instance, right now, I'm roughly maintaining on 2,800 calories, but I could also increase that to probably 31 or so, 3,100, and not lose weight, or sorry, not gain weight, uh, and that's just kind of my range. And if I really wanna lose a lot of weight, I'd probably get to start maybe 25, 2600, you know, there's a, and it's gonna be individual, you know, how much are you, some people say it's not related to NEAT, I do think it is related to NEAT, but it's also related to other things that your body, there's actually been some evidence that your body is slowing down other processes, not even just what you would count as like metabolism, but like even like uh, slowing things down like reproductive processes, and which I guess could fall under like general metabolism, but there are ways that your body adapts to these caloric changes. And so I'm, I don't think that, especially on like a, a short-term basis that you're gonna find, well, I dropped 200 calories or I increased 200 calories and there was a sudden change. The reason I bring that up is because 
if you are somebody who feels like, hey, a refeed's not gonna cause fat gain, well then, let's say you're at, again, 2,000 on a steady deficit, and then you know that one day at 2800 isn't going to cause you any fat gain. To me, I would take that one day of not losing fat, again, just my personality perhaps, but, and I do think there are some physiological benefits, but even if I didn't, if you're saying, well, we know due to you know, the increased thermic effect of feeding, uh, you know, differences in digestion, how fullness is gonna affect you in the future days, uh, and might increase need and things like that, if you are acknowledging that it's not going to cause fat gain on those days, then to me, it's like, well, here's a great way to increase your average calories, get better workouts, get better sleep, and then get back to it. Uh, now, once you are talking about days and days and days, like again, maybe like a, a full diet break, you have to be careful. You can obviously overstep. You know, there's when it's just one day, you can kind of get away with a little bit more. Obviously, if you're talking a week or two or three weeks, then you have to be really at like what a but a more realistic and true maintenance is. But I still feel like you know you can kind of get away after having been in that dieted state. Um, but I will say that this is one of the few areas in the last couple of years that I've changed my opinion in terms of how aggressive I am on it. You know, there's not a lot that comes out nowadays that surprises me. Most studies kind of conclude when we look at these research reviews, many of which are good, they conclude well. It might make a small difference you know you might see a little bit of a difference here and there but you're not going to see much difference this is one of those things where i don't think it makes a huge difference whereas i used to think it did um, i think a lot of the studies are converging now on the fact that can refeeds help yes I, well i believe that they can help many others believe that they can help can dieting breaks can diet breaks be helpful for you both physically and psychologically again i think the evidence points to that being the case but do i think that it's going to be the difference of saving another five to seven pounds of muscle on your way dieting down? I don't. I think one thing it does is causes you to be a little bit less aggressive overall with the deficit, right? It causes you to probably, in a lot of these studies, they just show with the diet breaks that it took longer. So maybe somebody who had a constant deficit would just take a longer period of time, right? They could just take a longer period of time with less of a severe deficit, and then you might get even more similar results. So while I think there's a benefit if somebody's really against it because they know, well, every time I have one, I go off the rails, then I probably wouldn't incorporate it. You know, I still feel that they benefit me. I've seen them benefit clients, but I'd be interested to hear what you guys think down below. If you'd like me to touch any further on specific studies related to this, and if you have questions that you want me to ask Mena when we get them on the podcast, post them down below and I will do my best to bring them up when we talk. All right, guys, I appreciate a like and subscribe to the channel if you're not already and watch for more videos like this.